This is the American Association of Orthodontists, the Business of Orthodontics podcast. I'm Pam Paladin. Welcome. We have an outstanding podcast in store for you today. It will be in two segments. In segment one, we'll hear from Sean Murphy, AAO's Associate General Counsel, and Amy Smith, a policy advisor with Arnold and Porter, Kay Scholler, the AAO's Legislative Counsel in Washington, D.C., along with Dr. Daniel Keith from Conum. He is the chair of that council, the Council on New and Younger Members, and is also Conum's liaison to the AAO Council on Governmental Affairs. We'll be talking in segment one about the update on AAO's advocacy activities, including the student loan refinancing bill and other pending bills that could affect orthodontists and residents. And Dr. Keith will join me again in segment two and talking about a number of condom activities. So let's get started. Something that's been of concern to orthodontic students, many practicing AAO members and the AAO, is the level of debt that's being accrued now in an effort for uh, people to obtain their orthodontic education. Sean, will you give us some background, please, on the topic of student debt and the advocacy efforts that have come out of AAO members' concerns? We're very much aware of the student debt issue and how it's affecting our members, both residents as well as new and younger members. Orthodontists now graduate with an average of $365,000 in student loans, which is just an astonishing number. So our goal, and it's been our goal for years now, but the Council on Governmental Affairs for the AAO last February once again came up with a list of priorities that they wanted to move forward when it comes to student loans. And those include student loan refinancing, if we can get loans refinanced, much like you can refinance a house at a lower interest rate. Reduced loan rates and fees, it's surprising to know that the federal government does make money off student loans. Grad plus preservation. And finally, the preservation and expansion on student loan interest deductions when it comes to the tax code. So that's the Council on Governmental Affairs. They said that that was their federal priorities for this congressional cycle. And we've been working to uh, put those priorities in place and put our support behind them. And you've made some progress. We've, we've got a new bill in front of Congress. We have. We've got, it's called the Student Loan Refinancing and Recalculation Act. It actually, on October 10th, was introduced by Representative John Garamendi. He's a Democrat out of California and Brian Fitzpatrick, a Republican out of Pennsylvania. So right out of the gate, it had bipartisan support. When it gets to the key features, though, of that bill, it's pretty fascinating They want to allow borrowers to refinance their student loan interest rates to the 10-year treasury note rate. They want to eliminate origination fees and instead setting future student loan interest rates at the 10-year treasury note rate. They want to delay student loan interest rate accrual for many low- and middle-income borrowers while they are in school. And finally, they want to allow borrowers in medical or dental residencies to defer payments until the completion of their programs. And it's that final feature that I think would be great. To, to, to see, and I know many of our residents and new and younger members would appreciate seeing because, you know, when they're in residency school, they don't have the opportunity to make money, and yet they're getting interest tagged on to the loans that they already have. So having their interest deferred on those loans would definitely be something they, they would appreciate. 
Dr. Keith, I see you shaking your head. Did you have some comments that you'd like to share? We're hearing constantly on a daily basis from our new and young members around the country that these numbers uh, aren't fictitious. These numbers are real. And when you look at student debt being slightly under 400000 it's an astounding number. And it really has major implications on what our young members are able to do once completing residency. As the COGA liaison, I had the opportunity to be in Washington, D.C. back in September. And what surprised me most being on Capitol Hill and visiting with many legislative aides and legislative staffers was just the fact that this is unbeknownst to many of these individuals. We know this within the AAO and and we tout this as being a major issue, but this isn't known in Washington, D.C. and beyond. So the efforts of our legislative council in Washington, D.C. and our legal counsel team here in St. Louis at AAO headquarters are absolutely critical for us making progress on this very important issue. To kind of put the Student Loan Refinancing and Recalculation Act in context, we were the ones who really spearheaded the effort. Earlier this fall, we actually involved 14 other dental groups who all endorsed the legislation, which is the bill, the Student Loan Refinancing and Recalculation Act. So we are happy to see it get off the ground and get introduced into Congress, and we hope that it continues to garner the support of different politicians and get passed. Amy, how can uh, our listeners track the progress of this bill? Sure. Well, listeners can go to congress.gov and type in HR 4001. That's the bill's number in the House. Um, And they can find everything they need to know about the bill right then and there. Let's talk now about tax reform. Certainly, it's on the minds of a lot of people in D.C. these days, uh, certainly a number of our listeners as well. Uh, How might proposed tax reform bills that are in the House and Senate affect orthodontists or orthodontic residents? We have really been tracking this issue closely for the AAO, particularly on its impact to graduate students, residents, and um, new and younger orthodontists. There are several areas of the House bill that really concern us. Uh, One is an issue that Sean already spoke about, that's the student loan interest deduction, which as many of you know, is, you know, provides up to $2,500 in tax relief if you are paying interest on your loans. The House would eliminate that provision, um, and we understand that some orthodontic residents would be impacted by that. And, you know, that's of grave concern to us. The Senate bill, is, um, in its current form, does not include the elimination of that provision, but would preserve it. Um, The other area of concern for us in the tax reform bill, again in the House, is the elimination of higher education tax credits. The one which we think is most important to residents would be the lifetime learning credit, which again provides a credit of up to $2,000 for qualified education expenses, tuition, things like that, with no limit on the number of years it can be claimed. And that's really important, again, going to the length of time or that honest are in school. And so, the you know, we've been really fighting against the House um, elimination of that, but thankfully the Senate measure does preserve those credits. So um, those are the main issues that we have been talking to senators this week about um, and making sure they hold fast in, um, in kind of preserving some of those protections for graduate students. And we'll see what, you know, what happens, what goes from here. We're pretty confident that the Senate will um, retain those protections. But, you know, as they continue to look for pay-fors and negotiate an agreement with the House, 
it's just something that's very iffy right now. Amy, thanks for your commentary on those. Just a, a follow-up question to what you had mentioned about many of the issues that, are, that you guys are working on in Washington is we know how vital they are to the importance of our new and young members. And how can, you know, this goes out to, you're speaking directly to all of our new and young members within the association. And how can they become more than just a statistic here? You know, how can they become the voice for the association and the voice for themselves and other new and young members um, from their home states, not having to come to Washington, but what are things that they can do at home to help this cause? I think just knowing who your members and who your senators are, not being afraid to reach out to them. I will say in the last few days, graduate students have become very active. There have been a number of media reports here in D.C. about their advocacy efforts, and it's really been making a difference, particularly in the Senate where they have preserved those protections in the tax code. So I would just encourage them to reach out, particularly to their senators. Um, Every senator, no matter whether they're a Democrat or Republican, really has a voice in the Senate because there are only a 100 of them. I will say the tax reform process is a very partisan process. It's a Republican tax bill. We don't expect any Democratic votes at this point um, to go towards the measure. So you know, really reaching out, particularly if you have a Republican senator, um, I think would be would be helpful in letting them know how this personally affects you and what your tax bill is, is how it's likely to change as a result. Amy, what's the best way for listeners to get in touch with their representatives in, in, the, in the House and in the Senate? Do they send an email? Do they do a phone call? Do they even resort to snail mail? Great question. Um, I would say all of the above except for the snail mail, Pam. Um, That's something that just takes a long time to get through because of security measures. So when something as fast as tax reform is moving, um, really a phone call or an email will do the trick. So if you only have late night hours and the ability to send a quick email, those will get through. They tally up all of the calls and emails coming in and kind of see which way their constituency is leaning. Amy, let's move on to uh, something else that you're working on on behalf of the AAO, and that is the Higher Education Act. So the Higher Education Act is really the federal law that governs all of higher education policy. This is where all of um, kind of the big changes are made regarding the student loan programs in particular. And so the bill is actually expired, and so it's due for reauthorization. The last bill was done in 2008, and um, the House has actually been really working on its draft bill. We expect the release of the draft sometime around Thanksgiving. Now, all of the um, activity around tax reform, I think, has pushed that back just a little bit because they don't want um, kind of the headlines to be covered by tax reform. But we do expect the House draft bill to be released soon. Um, The Senate bill, the Senate is a little further behind in its process, and it's really trying to work through some other higher priority policy items before it turns to higher education but we do expect them to, in earnest, begin working next year on that as well. I can give you a quick overview of what we expect, um, some of the big changes or focus areas of the Congressional Reauthorization of the Higher Education Act. Particularly um, in the House, we expect a focus on simplifying and improving student aid programs. This is both upfront on the lending side, so the student loan programs, but also on repayment. Um, just having fewer programs, fewer options, but making them more clear and more obvious to borrowers as to what, um, where they should look and how they should choose. 
The other piece is transparency and informed decisions really about institutions. So requiring clarity um, on the information available from those post-secondary institutions and allowing that to empower people to make more informed decisions about what they want to do with their lives, where they want to go. For Dr. Malecki, the current president of the AO, this is one of her top priorities when it comes to advocacy, especially taking care or seeing what we can do in terms of NDC regarding student debt. So as Amy's well aware, Dr. Malecki was visiting with Representative Garamondi about the Student Loan Refinancing and Recalculation Act before it came out. And she is in frequent communication with me about what can be done to further that policy agenda when it comes to efforts to try to help new and younger members and even current orthodontic residents with student debt. And that's great. And I would like to just throw in one more plug for making sure that our listeners make their voices heard with their senators and with their representatives in Congress, because it does make a difference. I will also encourage our listeners to be sure to watch your weekly e-bulletin, watch member social media posts, and uh, certainly the print practice management bulletin for important updates on AAO's advocacy efforts. I invite our listeners to please stay with us for the next segment coming up after this short break, and Dr. Keith will be with me again. At Gage, we are simplifying the business of orthodontics to drive your practice's growth. The orthodontic marketplace is constantly changing and becoming more challenging every year. How is your practice using data to drive strategy? How efficient is your practice? How much time are you spending understanding your practice health? If you are looking for a solution to transform your practice and stay ahead of the competition, then Gage is your partner. Gage is the go-to analytics solution for the orthodontic industry by providing a timely, accurate visual management dashboard that makes analyzing complicated practice financial data straightforward. Visit us at gauge.com, that's G-A-I-D-G-E.com, to sign up for a demo or send us an email at sales@gauge.com. Gauge is simplifying the business of orthodontics. Let us help grow your practice. I'm pleased to welcome back to segment two, Dr. Daniel Keith, who is also a repeat visitor on the Business of Orthodontics podcast. Dr. Keith practices in Bismarck, North Dakota. He is chair of CONUM. That's the AAO Council on New and Younger Members and is CONUM's liaison to the Council on Governmental Affairs. Let's uh, let's start with some uh, very interesting developments relative to annual session and affordable hotel options starting with the 2018 meeting. One of the things that we've really focused on is listening to our new and young members, the people that we are essentially elected to represent. And one of the things that we did was reach out to them in the springtime of 2017 to do a survey looking at the annual session. And what we found out was looking at the side of what things are maybe hindrances for our new and young members to attending the annual session were travel-related expenses. So the proposal we made or the recommendation that we made to the Board of Trustees was that they explore additional lower-cost housing that might be outside of the normal purview of the housing recommendations or reservations that the association makes on behalf of its members. And that was approved unanimously by the board. So the result has been um, the AAO finding a number of, we'll call them lower cost opportunities for lodging for our young members, but also for our association members at large. And what we've done is reserved a block of 50% of the rooms for the annual session this May, uh, May of 2018. You've gotten to, until December 31st of 2017 um, to make your reservations as new and young members. And then those block of rooms that are held will be opened up to the entire membership. Now, it should be noted that our, our new rooms are not on 
on the bus route or the transportation route to the convention center, but they're very easily located to the Metrolink in Washington, D.C., and even within a walking distance of the convention center. So that was really exciting. Um, a second thing that we looked at in response to our survey was additional registration options for our new and young members. We know that the annual session typically begins on a Friday, lecture starting on Saturday, but many of the many of the events starting on Friday and runs through Tuesday. Taking time away from work is very difficult, and we acknowledge that, and so has the Board of Trustees. So we looked at, is there a weekend registration option, or is there some smaller amount of days that our young members could attend for, and possibly at a reduced cost? And the Board of Trustees was very intrigued by this option, but what they did was put together a annual session task force to study this as a broader interest, not just for our young members, but for our association to see if this was actually something that all of our members um, might be interested or maybe not. And that's what we'll find out from this task force that was put uh, put together by the Board of Trustees and the AAO president. So I'm excited to, to see what comes out of that. So the affordable house, uh, the affordable lodging is, is in effect for the 2018 meeting. December 31st is the deadline to register for, for housing. I think you actually have to register for annual session first and then you can get your housing. The other part that you were talking about in terms of, of maybe a shorter annual session, that's just being studied. That is not being implemented in 2018. That's that's correct. So for those members who are new and younger members and are interested in taking advantage of, of the lower housing costs, what do they need to do? And, and was there some communication from AAO that, that would help to facilitate their sign up. This likely isn't the first time our young members have heard about this as an email was sent out on October the 24th discussing this issue. And it was also in the e-bulletin on November 7th that went out. And there's a special link in both of those publications with instructions for our new young members how to secure this housing. So it's very important that they follow that link. And if there's any questions whatsoever, they can reach out to the AAO meetings department at any time. and They'll be glad to walk you through that. Let's talk about the kinds of special events that are being planned for annual session in 2018 for new and younger members? Well, on Sunday, May 6th, uh, in the middle of the afternoon, mid to late afternoon, we're going to have our new orthodontist in resident conference as a repeat of last year. And um, But we've got some changes in, in store, both with that and the town hall, which we're going to get to next. But with our new orthodontist in resident conference, um, what we've typically done is we've divided it in half. We've had a keynote speaker for about the first 45 minutes of the event, and we've had a roundtable event for the second half. And I'm going to actually jump forward to the roundtable event, which was a big hit at last year's annual session in San Diego, where we had I think well over 150 attendees. We had somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 roundtables discussing everything from legal issues that come up when starting a practice to DSO opportunities to how to start your practice, how to market your practice. We're in the process of arranging our roundtables, so that format will continue just like last year. And um, even more exciting, I think, looking forward to our keynote speaker is we have secured a one of the staff members at McGill Hill. And what they're going to talk about this year is achieving financial independence for the young practitioner. And our keynote speaker is going to talk about what are the different options out there for our new and young members who are maybe putting a lot of their income back into paying debt down, but they also want to start saving and thinking about their financial independence? What can they do? So that's a little bit of a, of a change from our previous keynote speakers where they've they've delved into the topic of oh, what's happening on the job market and really focus on how do we place these 
people into jobs. Well, now we've got them placed. How do we set them up for their future? Let's back up chronologically just a little bit to the 2018 Winter Conference. That'll be in February in Scottsdale, Arizona. And you mentioned town hall. Uh, There will not be a town hall at Winter Conference this year, but there's something else that's in the works. Yes, Pam. Well, I'm going to give you a little history. Um, Because in the past, this last year in 2017, we actually held two town hall events, one at the Winter Conference in Florida and one at the annual session in San Diego. But because of the proximity of the two events this year, we decided to um, focus our efforts on placing the town hall um, at the 2018 annual session. We'll cover that in a minute. We've got some really exciting changes there. But backing it up to the Winter Conference in Scottsdale in February, uh, well, we did still want to have an outreach opportunity for our new young members to connect with condom members to in-person voice their concerns or voice any issues that they they have that they would like us to discuss with the governance structure within the AAO. And so as part of the reception for all attendees on Friday evening of the Winter Conference, nearly all of our council will be present and eager to meet so many of our new and young members, uh, converse with them, and just discuss the efforts that we're making on their behalf. And But more importantly, to see what efforts they would like us to make on their behalf. So it should be an exciting time in Scottsdale. And registration is open, by the way. (laughs) Correct, correct. (laughs) For sure. Dr. Keith, this year, Conum participated in uh, membership renewals among new and younger members and contacting people who may have postponed renewing their membership. I believe this was the first time that this is done? This was the first time, and this is actually something that just happened within the past few weeks. And our AAO staff liaison, Brandon Hackworth, was instrumental in uh, securing all of our Conum members with a list of names of those new and young members members, meaning members in their within their first 10 years of practice um, that had not currently renewed their AEO membership. And so what we did as a council was we each reached out to our respective constituencies, to those younger members that had not yet renewed, and in, in email format or in phone call, a little bit of both, basically to try to answer their questions and to help them through the process and to see if there was anything that um, we could do to help them better understand what the AEO was doing on behalf of new and young members. And a lot of the questions that came up were, hey, we're, we appreciate the AAO and we want to be part of the AAO. We want to be part of something that's bigger than ourselves. But can you fill us in more as what is what are our dollars doing? You know, mm-hmm. What is the AAO doing for us? And that's a, a common concern that we hear throughout the association. But the AAO is doing a heck of a lot for all of these members. But sometimes you have to tell them and you have to tell people multiple times because they don't, they don't get the same information that maybe the governance structure is privy to. And so that was really exciting. And, and I think we heard back from all of our council members that this was something that we want to continue to do moving forward and even come up with more ideas that can put us directly in line with those that we serve. One of the other areas that we focused on was that we're not just here to inform members of what the AAO is doing, but we really view our, our task on Condom as a recruitment effort on bringing more new and young members into the fold. This really gave us an opportunity to drive home all the opportunities that are out there for um, all of our association members. Sounds like a great project on membership renewal, and I, and I wish you great success with that. But let's uh, circle back to the 2018 annual session and and, uh, you're going to fill us in on some changes that are relative to the town hall meeting. Right. So the town hall is actually going to be held Saturday, May 5th uh, over the lunch hour. And so we've made a number of changes. One of the things that we heard from our members were that we wanted to have a little more of an informal environment where they maybe had a little more access to their governance and to our board of trustees and whatnot. So we actually made a pretty big change 
change uh, in looking at our town hall in the 2018. And we're going to take that to more of a roundtable format, more of a relaxed environment, comfortable environment where those people who may have been hesitant to um, stand up in a town hall format and ask their questions will be in a much smaller setting at a roundtable of eight to 10 people and just have a nice discussion over any issues that our membership would like to have. And um, I think that'll be a really nice change to the format that we've had in the past. So we'll look forward to some more information on how people can participate in this very new and very personal town hall meeting. Talking about governance, new and younger members are really having an impact. It's extending now into the House of Delegates. If you would, I'd like you to tell our listeners about the resolution that was passed by the 2017 House regarding new and younger delegates and what's going on with that whole process. Sure, Pamela. In 2017, at the House of Delegates, the, the delegations passed a resolution that encouraged each constituency's delegation to place a new and young member um, within their group, either as a delegate or an alternate delegate. I have to commend all of the delegations because we were just looking at the numbers recently. Um, all constituents have appointed at least one new and young member delegate or alternate delegate, which takes us to 10 currently and, and possibly even more. And really, we feel that the, the more input you can get from our new and young members segment, uh, the better. I think uh, attending the House of Delegates just is an eye-opening experience altogether. I, I can't imagine being a delegate or an alternate delegate. The House of Delegates is the ultimate policymaking body for the AAO. Yeah, it's very important, and our new young members are realizing that, and even more importantly, our association in general is realizing that. So that's been just very exciting to see um, some of our more seasoned practitioners and our people who've been involved in governance for many years asking for new and young member input. It's just it's exciting when when the board of trustees and when um, constituencies level or constituency directors are coming to us as a council and say, "Hey, what do you think on this? What do you think on that?" and um, that, again, gets back to what our new and young members are asking for. You know, we would like our voices to be heard. And through this resolution that was passed at 2017 HOD, you have the opportunity. So how can you reach that stage? A lot of our young members are probably thinking, well, I'd like to be that, but how would you do it? Well, if you go to the governance port tab on the AAO's website, you can get information about your delegation uh, crews within each constituency. And I would encourage all of you to uh, reach out to your delegation members or your delegation chair, express interest. And um, believe me, people are willing to put you to work. If you are interested, they will find a position for you at some at some locale within the association. So um, let it be known. Dr. Keith, we have covered quite a lot of territory in our conversation today. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we close out? I'd like to just touch on a couple of other things that we're that we're currently doing or currently part of on condom. One is the resident champion program, but the resident champion program actually appoints one resident within each of our orthodontic residencies across the country as a liaison, if you will, or a conduit of information between the board of trustees, between the governance within our association and the resident residency program ourselves. So really, not only are we trying to get after our union members as soon as they graduate, but we're trying to hook them very early while they're still in school and show them the importance of the AAO, what the AAO can do for them, but even more importantly, what they can do for the AAO and what they can do within the AAO to advance their profession. And another thing that came out of that was increased GORP funding. And that's kind of the first, the first time that you get a chance to see really a 
orthodontics isn't just braces and wires. We're we're changing lives, and you're amongst hundreds of people that are all geared towards the same goal. And that's pretty unique and doesn't happen very often. And the AAO at, at the board of trustees level made the decision to increase court funding and really invest in our future and invest in our new and young members. And I'd just like to just briefly talk about the AAO PAC as well. And this is something that, as we talked about in our first segment, as as our condom liaison to the Council on Government Affairs, and I wasn't familiar with our AAO PAC. I'd seen many of the advertisement. I had been solicited for donations to the PAC. Have Having had the opportunity to go to Washington in September, and I saw firsthand just how important our lobbying efforts and the support we get from Dr. Nahid Maleki, the efforts she's making on behalf of our new and young members, and just how dedicated Arnold and Porter is on our behalf, um, serving our association in general, sure, but focusing, especially right now, about our new and young member issues. And an article that was authored a few months ago by Dr. Bill Crutchfield of Virginia, a member of the Southern Association, um, it was distributed amongst all of our council members and, and to be disseminated to our young members out there. And the article was about what does AAO PAC allowing you to do? And it's really amazing at how many things that PAC goes to support that person would never think about. And so when you hear Sean Murphy, our legal counsel who was on uh, part one, um, talking about PAC at the annual session or at the winter meeting, really take heed of, of what he's saying and realize that your donation, no matter how small, is important. Dr. Keith, thank you for providing our listeners with this wealth of information today. Thank you very much, Pam. My guest has been Dr. Daniel Keith, Chair of Conum and the Conum Liaison to the AAO Council on Governmental Affairs. And that's a wrap for the Business of Orthodontics podcast. Join us for future AAO podcasts as experts explore questions and issues that are important to you in your orthodontic practice. If you have subject areas you would like to hear addressed on a future podcast, please email them to info at aaortho.org or call us at 800-424-2841. This is Pam Paladin. Thanks for listening to the Business of Orthodontics podcast, episode 24.